conclude the series on uh, benefits of a faith family. This has been <laughs> pretty interesting as we've been going through this. Uh, we've been uh, uh, talking about it's really, I guess, this came from a, a, a what was the an online article. Yeah, it began <laughs> with an online article that you found, yeah, and mm -hmm. a conversation that we had about the article um, in our house. Yeah, and so we believe that there. Uh, it, it was an article as God was talking about how people are experiencing powerful moves of God in their churches, in their and uh, with the with the people of God. But even though they're having great things happening, they'll still. Uh, leave. They'll still leave. Yeah. They won't stay. Yeah. They won't plant themselves. Yeah. They they well, come for whatever their need is, and then leave after the need is met. After the need is met, and and also because of offense and hurts, things that happen, they end up leaving a place, even though God did great things for them. So we're going to uh, do our best to kind of uh, talk about more of the benefits of being part of a faith family. Believe me, I've got enough stories to tell you <laughs> on my own of all the reasons to leave one. <laughs> as from being, that's the thing about it, what many people don't think about is those of us who are pastors now, or leaders in the church, we once sat in the pew. And lots of things happened to us long before we got placed into the position of leadership. Uh, had plenty of reasons to leave and never ever come back. <laughs> All right. So some of the, so far, I want to just give you the list, and it should be up on the screen for you. A faith family is a place of community, a place of communion, camaraderie, care, connection, conflict resolution, confessing faults, covering, covenant, and commitment, and commissioning. And so that's what we're going to conclude today let's begin with this prayer as we always pray this prayer i'm going to stand up here so you guys can uh, see it and we can pray this together what we always pray let's begin lord, lord I, I pray that the word today would find good soil in my heart i reject the thoughts of offense where the light of your word exposes my sin i do not take offense i will change and turn to you my heavenly father I reject condemnation. Your word says that Jesus did not come to condemn people. This word does not come to condemn me, but it comes to heal me. I reject accusation. Satan is the accuser of brothers and sisters, and this word does not come to accuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies, and I choose to believe and receive the truth. God says in his word, Blessed are my eyes, for they see, and my ears, for they hear. For many prophets and righteous men desired to see what I see, and did not see it, and to hear what I hear, and did not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart, that I might not sin against or miss the will of God. Open my eyes, that I may see wondrous things from your word today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. In this very moment, Chris and Carol Green decrease, that you would increase. For this is not about what we have to say. 
even our life's experience, even though it's been great with faith families. But really, it's about what you have been seeking to do in our hearts and in our homes by using the assembly of people that you call together, that you call the church, the ones that were called out, who have a mission to call others out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Lord, may this time be a special moment, a Kairos moment, a godly, divinely appointed moment for us to hear your word, receive your word, and for change to come that would impact us for the rest of our lives. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we bind every work of the enemy that will seek to hinder, distract, detour anyone sitting in this room, anyone that watches this online from really hearing your heart. Lord, may this word penetrate the darkness and may there be a conception Hmm, a conception of your purpose and plan and will in the soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Boy, I feel God's presence today. Thank you, Lord. My God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we got lots of notes and all that kind of stuff, but we don't know where this will go today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, in our very first session that we had with you guys, uh, we introduced this series by discussing that online article that I mentioned. And, um, and it, it, it was really baffling for us to experience that even um, here at Urban Life because we had, we've had some tremendous testimonies through the years. I, I remember all the way back to in our first months mm -hmm. And really, in our opening service, the Lord mm -hmm. gave me a word for a, a man who was there with his children. Remember that, Mom? Way back, our very first service, man gave me a word for a man with his children that God was going to uh, give him a tremendous breakthrough. Didn't have no idea what it was. We later found out that he was homeless and his children were homeless. And before that week was out, God got them a house, their own housing for the whole family. Mm -hmm but we never ever saw that man again. And I was like, so that was a whole new thing. We're like, okay, you come, you get a miracle and you never come back. <laughs> I never experienced that before. Uh, maybe, maybe a month or so later, a young woman came uh, who had an addiction problem and so the state had taken her children from her, but she was out and her biggest desire at that point in her life was to be able to get her children back, but she saw absolutely no way of getting her children back. We all gathered around her, prayed that God would get her her children back. And that was on a Friday night. She came to church Sunday testifying that she had her children mm -hmm. back. It happened over the weekend. But we never, ever saw her again. <laughs> like, okay, what is this? <laughs> because our experience had always been um, from the church that we come from in St. Louis, uh, when we were over the teen ministry, when we were over young adults, when we were over marriage ministry, well, no matter what ministry we were over, outreach, community outreach, evangelism, street ministry, it always grew, and it grew by this. Yeah. God would perform a miracle in somebody's life. That person would do like the woman at the well, mm -hmm. go back and tell, yes. 
Everybody. What God has done, and Tell they bring, family, and they come friends. back and bring folks with them. Yeah. And so every ministry we had ever been a part of, that's what always happened. So we, we were expecting to see the miraculous when we came to Harrisburg, because that's how our lives have always been in ministry. But what we did not anticipate was that there had been, there would be people would experience the miraculous and never come back. I had never, ever in my life, in my ministry, in our ministry life, yeah. we had never experienced that. In our home church and as we've traveled from one end of this country to the other and even outside of this country, mm-hmm. never experienced people don't come back after God does the gives miraculous. You, does, the miraculous. does something for them that no one else could have possibly done for them. Yeah. And so uh, that's why when I read this article, it's so... It's, it so impacted us, but it also made us realize that's not only happening in Harrisburg, right. it's happening all over this country yeah. where God is moving powerfully, yeah. but people still walk away. And so I, I kind of call it the, the uh, nine leper syndrome. Uh, Remember the story? Uh-huh. Ten lepers came, uh-huh. God healed them all, but only one came back. <laughs> only one. And so America, at least the church in America, is experiencing the nine leper syndrome, where you got what you wanted. We even sung it in our old songs. Remember, I got just what I wanted. I got just what I wanted. I got just what I wanted from the Lord. And then that was it. Don't finish the rest of the song. We don't finish the song. We don't finish the rest of the song. And that's what really bothers me about this era. We're not finishers in the house of God. You know, because the rest of the song is, you can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. But people don't stay long enough to get to know know him. So that's why they can't sing that part. You can't make me doubt him because I know too much about him. Because they don't stay in long enough to get to know him beyond what he can do for me. Because God is after more than just even doing stuff for us. He gives us the miracle because he's trying to get our attention Mm -hmm. about something that he's trying to change inside of us. Mm That's why there are so many people that get miracles. Do you know that there are people and they're not saved that have experienced miracles? They're not saved and they have experienced miracles. Why did God give them the miracle? Because he wanted to save them. (laughs) He wanted to save their soul. Yeah. He wanted to save their soul. And they could feel that tugging. You don't just want to heal me. You want me. <laughs> you want me. Not just what you can do for me. You want me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been a big part of it. In our second session, we begin to get into the first of the three 10 benefits. Uh, we talked about community, communion, and camaraderie. I will not get started talking about it because if I do, that'll be all as far as we get. <laughs> Last week, we talked about the benefits of uh, care connection and conflict resolution oh that was so much fun wasn't it (laughs) and all i can say is get the dvd they're back there they're free you'll love it (laughs) we really enjoyed it so now let's move on to conclude this series by talking about the faith family benefits of of uh, confessing faults covering covenant commitment and commissioning and Lord, please help us to get through all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've made it through three each week, and we're trying to get through four to finish this up. <laughs> all right. So, um, so let's talk about the uh, 
the benefit of being in a place and with people uh, where you confess your faults. Where you can. Where you can confess your faults. Where you're safe. Safe enough to do that. Um, Yeah. We're all familiar with this scripture. Uh, Confessing faults coming out of James, the fifth chapter, verses 5 through 16. Says, uh, I mean, Jive 5 and 16. Mm Mm-hmm. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, And we learn uh, that this word fault really has a double meaning. Most of the time when you hear this this, uh, uh, word fault, we think about the trespasses aspect of the word fault, Mm -hmm. what was done wrong, Uh, the wrong or the sinful action, the thoughts, the deeds. Uh, But it's also the condition of the heart. So it's not just the deeds Mm-mm. and the actions, but it's the heart, the condition of the heart that produces those actions, those why? thoughts and deeds. It's why? the reason why. Yeah. That's, that's why getting saved is more than just when somebody says, I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing that. So I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking weed. I'm going to say, well, all you're doing is changing actions. Mm-hmm but there's been no change of heart. That's why they're not able to stick with that plan. (laughs) Because there has to be something that changes the heart that's caused those actions and deeds and thoughts. So we compared, and this is really came out of a, uh, a study that I did about what the word fault means and the only reason why I even got into this study was because my brother one of my brothers passed away Um, uh, he had been living on the down low living a double lifestyle bisexual Uh, he used marriage and everything to cover it up many men do that they'll get married to try to cover up this tendency a same sex attraction tendency my brother had done that and he kept it hidden from the family Uh, and um, so when I got up to talk, because <laughs> we were, I guess my whole family eulogized him. We have a very vocal family. Uh, my mom talked, and she just went there. You know, she just stood up there and said, "My son, you know, talked about his life, and he got to a point where he hated his father." And so, also, mom, you gonna be that real? Oh, okay. <laughs> it set the tone. <laughs> that set the tone for the whole day. <laughs> I'm like, okay, mom, gonna get that real and say my brother hated his father, and go, oh. But I knew what I wanted to share. But when she did that, that really gave me permission to really just lay it all out there now. (laughs) (laughs) But what was revealed out of that was that uh, that we're all, uh, all of us, our hearts are like the surface of the earth. Uh, The surface of the earth has has these cracks and broken places and weak places in them. And they're known as fault lines. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the most famous fault lines are the one in California, San Andreas, San Andreas fault line. There's one in Tokyo. There's one even uh, near my city, St. Louis in Missouri. Uh, there are various fault lines. Some of them are really famous. Most of them we probably couldn't wouldn't know it if the geologist named them for us. But the Earth has all of these weak places, these these cracks, um, and we found out uh, that these. Uh, cracked and broken places are due to three types of stresses that are on the earth. Three types of stresses. That's why you see these up here. Tension, compression, and shearing. These three forces are constantly uh, on the earth's surface. 
Wow. And the Lord showed us that those same types of stresses are also on our hearts mm -hmm. and on our lives. We're under tension, we're under compression, and we're under shearing. Uh, very quickly, I just want to mm -hmm. give you what is meant by each one. Tension is the force that pulls things apart. If, if Carol and I were holding a rubber band, if she was pulling in one way, I was pulling another way, that'd be tension. Um, the way we see that manifested in scripture is Galatians 5.17, very familiar passage of scripture. Think about this. It says, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So there's tension. Mm -hmm. Two sides pulling in opposite directions. Contrary. contrary to one another, word says, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. As Paul writing. So all of us have this tension. You know what you're supposed to be doing, but you got this tension. The flesh pulling against the spirit. Wow. It's constantly there. Uh, the next one is compression. That's squeezing. So instead of things being pulled apart, you just think about if you had a rubber ball and you took it and squeezed it. Well, here's something even more fragile, a balloon. And you just started squeezing it until it, and at that point where it pops, that's us, your heart, all of us, or the tension. If there's tension until it pulls apart, it snaps. And in fact, we even use that phrase, somebody snapped out. <laughs> or we use the phrase, somebody, you know, they imploded. Well, what was the pressure that caused that? It was either tension or it was compression. And, and the thing about it, when that happens, that's what, that's what we see when somebody takes a drink. When they got to hit the, the, the marijuana. Where they feel squeezed. Uh, where they find somebody Pressed. and, you know, go, go have sex with them. Uh, where they bust out and just cuss out everybody. Mm -hmm. What caused that? Is it the tension mm -hmm. or compression? Mm -hmm. Tension, the flesh lusting against the spirit. Mm -hmm. Compression is... Uh, I'll give you some family examples of just everyday squeezing and crushing the family, your family. That's enough pressure already. I can just stop there, right? Stop the list, Pastor Chris. <laughs> family. <laughs> but job, your responsibilities. Uh, sometimes it can be the expectations that people have on you or even expectations that you have on yourself. Compression. That's a pressure. Um, Family crisis, if you're dealing with somebody who has a terminal illness, uh, if you're dealing with under financial pressure, bankruptcy, um, it can be crises like lawsuits, divorce, a funeral. You never may think about this one. This is a pressure event, mm -hmm. a wedding. That's high pressure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a happy occasion. Yeah, happy occasion, but it's, but it's a lot of pressure. pressure. <laughs> and that's why everybody going, ooh. Lord God, Dad, I'm so sick of that brass. She's just, well, I don't know why. Because compression. Because she, this is her perfect day. And she feels like I'm all, these all these expectations. I wanted to be this. I wanted that to happen. And this and that to happen. And none of it's happening. And so she's freaking out. She's poof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then, and I never like to leave this one out. There is the pressure that you feel that's just straight up demonic, ungodly spiritual activity. That can be part of the compression and the pressure. Just straight up demonic activity coming up against your mind, your body. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is shearing. 
this is violent glances. Uh, for instance, if I would take a sledgehammer and I was to bash a hole in the wall, or if I took one like right at the edge of that wood on the door and just knocked out a chip piece of yeah. the edge of the wood, that's chipped, sh- it off. chipped it off, that's sheary. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that looks like in everyday life is, for many of us, it's the way we grew up. We grew up with these moments where, uh, especially for those of you who grew up under emotional, verbal, physical, and sexual abuse, you have been sheared. Mm-hmm. Just like getting your heart bashed and your emotions. and whew, There's brokenness. There's broken. You just get bashed constantly. Uh, and you were bashed constantly, sometimes in your growing up years, sometimes in your young adult years. So some of you, it's been absolutely all of your life. All you have known has, been, has just been cheering. Um, you grew, if you grew up under domination, if you grew up under manipulation, if you grew up under intimidation in your home, in your church, in your school, uh, that's abuse. Mm-hmm. And basically abuse is shearing. Uh, acts of violence, it may have just, I know that I've been, uh, there have been a couple of times growing up that I've been robbed. A uh, bunch of gang of kids came up behind me and my sister and one of our friends and, and to steal our potato chips. That'd be that's dramatic as a kid. <laughs> Stole my stuff. Or something as serious as somebody breaking in your house mm-hmm. and stealing your stuff and uh, vandalizing your home vandalizing your car those are acts of those are violent acts against you uh, and it shears you all of us that's why we're looking at it with children today with the bullying yes. they're being sheared right now uh, some uh, pieces and parts of them are being bashed or broken mm-hmm. off yeah and so that's why later on in life because their heart has been so bashed and broken then when the pressures of life hit them, that's why they break and they cave in. Or like we see with fault lines, mm-hmm. it cracks even more. Mm-hmm. That's what causes an earthquake. An earthquake is when the shearing or the tension or the compression forces get so strong that the, that the crack either, it either widens or it slips. You always talk about the tectonic, the tectonic plates, plates that slip. Yeah. Well, that's what causes the earthquakes. And so the Lord just gave us this understanding that that's what happens in our hearts. We experience earthquakes. And while a lot of what our teaching and preaching has done in the house of God through the years, it is focused on the earthquake. Mm-hmm. And so we get up and preach whole messages about the, you know, uh, uh, about the folks who drink and the folks who are sleeping around. And we're, that's earthquakes. Mm-hmm. That's why? just their reaction. That was that, that. You got to get to the why. Why are they caving in? Why are they imploding? Mm-hmm. Why are they breaking down? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> I remember growing up and and the and the poor young ladies. If they had a child out of wedlock, oh my God, just, they just they just crushed the poor girl and without ever asking why. What was going on? In what was house? going on in her house and her life and her heart that led her to that position? Mm-hmm. Ten times out of ten, they were looking for love, mm-hmm. looking for acceptance, looking to be understood. Mm-hmm. Either dad was there or he wasn't. Uh, so many reasons. So many mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah. Uh, abuse. Yeah. Trying to escape, looking for someone to love them. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Now, what am I getting at with all of this? That a faith family can be a safe place to come and not just confess what you did. That's why I said fault is more than just what I did. Sometimes they would even make these make young people get up in front of the whole church and and this is confession. You're going to confess. Confess your faults. And they would even tell them, confess your faults so that you'll be healed. And it was horrible because that wasn't healing for her. Because only, first of all, that's not the way to handle it. And then the other thing is, even for her or the young man to confess, you know, that I got a girl pregnant or for the ones who confess, yeah, I went back out into the world and I've been, and, you know, I, I started drinking and smoking and all that. You're still, that's, that's just confessing the deed. Mm-hmm. We still haven't gotten into confessing the condition of my heart mm-hmm. that led to this. Mm-hmm. Well, I know what the condition is. You're just rebellious. You're sinful. You know, okay, that's, No. The child has been sheared. The child has been compressed. compressed. The child has been has experienced tension. Tension torn apart. Mm-hmm. So it's the condition of the heart that led to the earthquake, that led to the heartquake, if you let us say it that way. And we experienced in our faith family, both here in urban life. And in our years in St. Louis, we experience what it's like to be part of a faith family that was safe enough to confess our real fault, my broken place. So that it's more than, Carol, as your husband, I'm sorry for yelling at you. That's just the deed. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, the, what's the real fault line? I yelled at you because When it comes to the finances, I am so, that's just one of those areas where it stresses me out. Mm -hmm. There's a tension that comes or the compression that comes when it comes to the bills and the finances. Mm -hmm. So when you start asking me about it, I caved in and I yelled at you and it had nothing to do with you. That's me. I'm weak in that area. See, that's confessing the fault. Mm -hmm. The fault is not just the yelling. Mm -hmm. It was I've got a problem when it comes to bills. (laughs) And when anybody asks me questions, I take it personally like you're questioning my ability and I get all into my feelings. When that ain't what you mean at all. All you want to know is, do we have enough money to go grocery shopping this week? I'm not questioning your mental aptitude to handle the... Why am I getting into all of that? Because that's what real, that's where fights that's really real. are. Yes. And yes. so you'll find either the husband or the wife going off and it's even if about, they come back and apologize, yes. they still just apologize. I'm sorry for yelling at you. Yeah. But that no, ain't it. No. That's not the real issue. The real issue is, okay, I take it because of how I've grown up and I got bullied and the you know way people treated me i was always told i was stupid and so when people begin to question me mm-hmm. even my spouse i take it the wrong way mm-hmm. now that's confessing the fault mm-hmm. and when you go to that level can't you just feel it now you get healed mm-hmm. healing comes at that level because like oh understanding now comes. there's understanding now the other spouse goes okay now i get it mm-hmm. it wasn't just me <laughs> nor are they asking what did i do wrong nor are they now tiptoeing 
around you because they never know when you're going to have a heart quake. Right, right. Because they don't even know what triggers your heart right. quakes. Why? Because we never get to confessing yeah. what the real fault is. What the root of it is. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking that in that in that moment when knowledge and understanding comes we're able to put in the salt we're yeah, able, their yeah. healing is able to come to that area because yeah. that is the reason why there are even cracks in the earth because there is a lack of salt in that area yeah and geologists have discovered that in places in the earth where there's a high concentration of salt they don't have hardly any earthquakes in those areas salt in the bible is symbolic of covenant we're going to talk about that as one of the benefits <laughs> of being part of a faith family covenant wow isn't that something yay all right i can't stay there I can't stay there <laughs> but we have had or one of the things that we had have had with our family here at urban life there was a time when we used to meet in our home Mind your head, see them nodding their heads, and when that and that environment was so safe that it it allowed different ones to be able to talk about where they really were beyond the stuff that you can you know how it's so limited in a church setting and you don't know who all is here and who's going to repeat my business and all of that. But we were able to have a safe place where people could say, okay, now that I understand the difference between trespasses and heart condition okay here is the condition of my heart that i'm confessing but we had to establish a safe place we used to have in our home church every monday night uh we have what we call family hour where all the families could get together with their kids or with other friends and people that they had met in the in the whole church to gather just for an hour hour and a half of, you know, sing a couple of songs and go around the room, check and see how everybody's doing, how's your week going, what's going on in your life. And so we would do that in hours. Uh, a lot, some others were kind of centered more around Bible study, but ours was really centered more around personal uh, conversation and checking in with everybody. And we'd go around the room, we'd give everybody a chance to talk about what was going on in their life. And every single time, there would always be somebody who would break down and start crying while they was talking every week. <laughs> we got to the point where we just kept the tissues, uh, boxes of tissues there before we start every meeting because somebody's going to cry this week. And that continued when we moved here to Harrisburg, didn't it? <laughs> somebody's going to cry. Um, but instead of it always being me and Carol to minister to them, all the other people in the room, these were young people in their 20s. Mm -hmm. They would start ministering to one another or to the person. Me and Carol would just sit back and watch. And all of that was the result of, because from the beginning, we established it as a safe place. And so not only was it a safe place for someone to confess what they were going through, but it became a safe place for others to even learn how to minister to, to, minister to somebody else. Yeah, without getting reprimanded. Mm -hmm. You didn't lay hands on them right. You just want, and people, sometimes people did. They, they in their zeal, mm -hmm. they wouldn't give an accurate word of, of knowledge or it wouldn't be off with the scripture and all of that when they're trying to encourage somebody. And we didn't beat them up for that. It's like, I'm glad you stepped out there and tried. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but safe environment. Yeah. Safe environment to learn how to minister. Wow. Bless the Lord. Wasn't that wonderful? That's just our first one. Now, the next one. 
covering. <laughs> covering. I'll let my wife get that one start off with the definition of covering. Okay, and this uh, definition is from the Webster Merriam Dictionary. An object or substance that goes over or on top of something, especially in order to hide or protect it. So in the faith family, we receive protection from Father God. We learn, we also learn how to cover our family with prayer. We receive impartations of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom for spiritual warfare to know how to protect our family. I bring this one, I, we, when we first was talking about this one, because this was just mm -hmm. a you know, conversation between me and Carol. We were just listing all of the benefits of being in the faith family when we came up with covering. And then I thought about how here, uh, since we've been living here in Harrisburg, uh, it'll be 12 years in July, um, we've come across many people that this word covering scares them. And that's because they've been under such control, abuse, control, abusive leadership, mm -hmm. that the word covering is, is almost is, synonymous yeah. with just domination yes. and manipulation. I, you know, it's somebody who's over me to run my life. Mm. I almost got to ask permission to go to the bathroom. With, <laughs> but that's not what covering is. No. Covering is not somebody controlling you, manipulating you. I even had one sister to tell us that, you know, Lord put on her heart to go you know, just to uh, talk to people on the street, evangelize and pass out tracts and uh, pray for people and her leader her pastor whoever it was told her that she didn't have the right to do that without a license because she needed to be covered I'm like, what about the great commission <laughs> you don't need no you don't need a ministerial license an evangelistic license and a missionary that. license to tell somebody about jesus no now all right i'm, I'm getting <laughs> So covering is not about, wow. and that's why I put that up there, covering is not about controlling, controlling someone. No. Covering is about these three things. Yes. And I love the definition. Carol found this definition in the Webster's Miriam, mm -hmm. you know, that it's an object or a substance that goes over or top of something, especially in order to either hide it yeah. or protect okay. it. Yeah. That's what covering is about. Mm -hmm. It's about being hidden or protected. Mm -hmm. We see that in the word of Lord. He's um, hide me under the shadow, shadow of, of your wings. Hi, being hidden, being hidden from what? From the enemy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cover is about being hidden, mm -hmm. and it's about being being uh, protected, mm -hmm. not about being controlled. Mm -hmm. So covering is about intercession. It's about accountability, and it's about counsel and advice. Mm -hmm. That's what we see. First of all, under intercession, intercession is prayer. Like just look at that definition. It's about prayer or petition or entreaty in favor of another. It means to speak to someone in order to defend or help another person. So we're in that someone would be God in mm -hmm. the case of prayer. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to God. Petitioning. Petitioning mm -hmm. God. Entreating. entreating God in favor of somebody else. Intercession. Say, I'm not praying for myself. <laughs> I'm, this is a, intercession mm -hmm. is part of covering. Mm -hmm. So now you can see why a faith family is a great place of covering. Mm -hmm. Somebody is praying for you. Yeah. Somebody is interceding yes, for you. Yes. They're not trying to control you. 
<laughs> if you are going to go, you know, if you told the faith family, Lord's put on my heart just to go and talk to people on the streets and just to walk around. And if I happen to meet somebody and to pray for them or if they strike up a conversation with me on the bus to be more bold in my witness. Mm -hmm. Well, my job as a pastor is not to say you need a ministerial license before you share with anybody on the bus. Like, no, my job <laughs> is to now cover that brother or right, sister that feels clear. that. Yes. Said, thank you for telling me that as your leader. I'm going to put you on my prayer list. In yeah. fact, right now, why don't I stop right mm -hmm. now and pray? Lord, give them boldness. Mm -hmm. Let your give your angels charge over them as they're walking up and down the streets. Mm -hmm. God, give them opportunities while they're on the bus. Let it happen, break forth on their job. See, now I'm covering them. Yes. God put it in their heart. My job is just to cover it. Yep. Not to try to manipulate them and control them and call that covering. Well, you can't do that without my approval. What? Okay. Stop it, Pastor Chris. Move on. <laughs> and we see the precedence of that. First Timothy 2, 1. He says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of things be made for all men. He's talking specifically about leadership and government officials and people that oversee us, but mm -hmm. that, but in principle, I'm talking about that really is our that's the advantage of being in a place of covering and intercession. Right. The next one is is accountability. I still have that up there. Okay, yeah. accountability. Its basic definition of accountability is a willingness to accept responsibility for one's own actions and words. That's really what accountability is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being willing to accept responsibility for your own actions and words. More specifically, it means one must be willing to keep themselves in the position where you are explainable to another. Why is this important to, to think of covering and accountability in the same uh, sentence? And that is to keep yourself in a position where I'm accountable to somebody else. Meaning I'm not just out here living any old kind of way without thinking about how this is affecting the church. Boy, I tell you, when I was working for the state, the church has such a horrible reputation in this city because of, not, 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 not first the pastor, because of people that they work with yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, and many of them are people who reject true covering. I know I understand them rejecting the manipulation and the domination, sure. but we still have a responsibility to represent Christ. Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility to represent Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the faith family is a place to be accountable. Keep yourself in a position. And well, the reason why I use that phrase is because the folks that would that that were part of our faith family that would start to drift away and kind of doing whatever they want. Uh, they didn't. They 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 are experts at avoiding the questions or avoiding coming together because they don't want they don't want this level of covering, hiding, and protection. I want to be able to say what I want, do what I want, anytime I want, without anybody saying anything to me. So if I feel like going off on folks, cussing, uh, being late for work every day, and and don't nobody say nothing to me about that. I don't want to be in a position where I'm accountable, where this covering is over my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another aspect to that is for those who are young in the faith, who are still learning how yeah. to witness, uh, to minister to others and to teach, yeah. uh, this 
is also for their safety yes. to help to remain accountable so that you don't drift off into teaching things that aren't really biblically based yeah. um, so that you're always being able to be uh, steered yeah. in, in, <laughs> in, a, right. in a correct right. path. Yeah. I remember some of our really, really talented people in our home church, those who were in drama, songwriters, singers, musicians, actors, dancers, all of those, uh, they tend to be the ones that buck against this the most because they want that creative expression and just however I heard it, I want to release it. However I envision it, I want to put it out there. So one time <laughs> there was this person who was writing a production and part and one of the songs they wanted to use in the production is not in agreement with what our pastor teaches. Because y'all do know that all the songs that are out there in the Christian world aren't necessarily biblically sound. And so one of the songs she wanted to use, it it was that's and I even went sounds to sounds good, but it sounds great sounding because that's what a lot of times musicians and singers and people are looking. It just sounds great, so let's sing it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times as pastors we've sat there and listened to the words, the songs, and just and the people are just yeah. Yeah, but you sitting there and you listening to those words and you're Printing. going, that's not what the Bible says and that certainly isn't what it means. <laughs> and people are saying, oh, that song just blessed me. It just blessed me. I'm sorry, but that's not what the scripture meant. That ain't what it says and that's not what it means. <laughs> and so I went to her and I told them, I said, that song that you want to use, you can't use that. And they were so they were angry hot. with me. Oh, they were so angry with me. They went for months without speaking to me. And, uh, and it took them a while, but eventually, as they grew in the Lord and found out what things meant, and, and uh, they actually came back and apologized to me and said, Pastor Chris, you were right. That song was not in, teach in line with the teachings of this house uh, and what the, what the Word of God actually says. And so she thanked me, thank you that I, that you, Stop me. that you stopped me from releasing something over this community. Cause yeah. a lot of the things that we did in our home church was for the whole community, whether it was plays or things on the street that we did heavily involved evangelism right. in our home church. And so every song, I even made the rap, the rappers. Yes. We, we allow the young people to do rap because our kids came from the streets. Mm -hmm. We didn't get church kids trying to be rappers. No, we got kids that was already rapping in the streets mm -hmm. and they got saved, but I wanted to look at their lyrics. Mm -hmm. So we were a covering for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Not controlling them, but like Carol, my pastor Carol just said, they're young in this. Yeah. They don't know. So we're protecting them by saying, let me look at your lyrics and make sure that it's biblically correct, that it's in line with the word of God. Yeah. So that's the difference between covering and control. We're, think, we're thinking more like parents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that's how we were. We thought of it as being more like parents. We cover our children. We're not trying to control them. We're actually trying to grow you up to be mature right. so you can go off on your own <laughs> one day. <laughs> And the last one <laughs> is counsel or advice. This is what covering involves in a faith family. And, and, it, and here's the definition, to listen to and give support or advice to someone, to suggest or recommend something. The advice given, in other words, uh, uh, the word counsel.
counsel can actually be the actual advice that's being given, mm-hmm. especially as a result of a consultation. You go, consultation, what's a consultation? See, it just one, one thing leads to another. <laughs> Don't you love when dictionary gives you these answers like that? You know, counsel, well, there's something that has to do with a consultation. Y'all like me, or you just go, yeah, right. No, okay. So <laughs> that explained a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So I always go the next step. Okay, what's a consultation then? A consultation is a meeting in which someone talks to a person about a problem. Or a question. Or a question, et cetera. It's a discussion about something that's being decided. So a covering, being under covering is a, uh, in, a, in a faith family, one of the advantages is to have, be in a place where you can get support and advice. Place that you can talk about the problems. Uh, not just in the whole group, but usually God gives you somebody, some somebody that's what has wisdom and experience. Ready, so it, it can, and I don't just mean just for quote biblical, church oriented spiritual things. I've had young people that wanted to start their own business. I've had young people that wanted to start their own radio program. People that wanted to start, and so they would ask me questions because I had experience in all of that. Pastor Chris, we want to start our own. Re- radio program we're gonna do a half hour every week and so i set them down and said that sounds great oh, and here's our pilot program and say, yeah, that sounds great now are you ready to do this every single week <laughs> yeah we can do it i said that no every single week means that when your program comes up on a holiday you still got to be there <laughs> <laughs> So if your program falls on a Sunday, on a a Christmas, on a Sunday Mm -hmm. night and all that, you got to be there. Mm -hmm. And it made them think. Mm -hmm. So they came back a couple of weeks and said, well, we want to do it once a month. (laughs) (laughs) It became more realistic. But see what I mean? A place of now covering and now counsel. I'm giving you advice. Yes, I'm not trying to kill their vision. Want them to be excited about their sure. vision, but okay, all right, all right, slow down. Don't get in over don't, your head. Don't get in over your head. Wonderful idea, radio program, reaching young people. Count up the cost. But count up the cost. Can you do that every single week? Because mm-hmm. you're trying to get into something that's tough for even for us pastors to do, mm-hmm. to have a message ready mm-hmm. every single week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, then there's that other aspect where I've watched your pattern. You, know, you don't even come to church every week so, so. <laughs> so I know you ain't gonna get no radio program every single week <laughs> all right but look at how important just look at what the word of God shows about how important counsel is this is just, look just look at this uh, proverbs 11:14 where there is no counsel the people fall but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Mm-hmm. Then Proverbs fifteen twenty two: without counsel, plans go awry. Mm-hmm. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. That's what happened mm-hmm. for those young people mm-hmm. we counseled. Um, for by wise counsel, you can wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So you can see when there's counsel, people won't fall, plans won't go awry, and you'll be able to wage war. Wow, makes covering, covering. <laughs> benefit <laughs> of being in a faith family. And, um, and then the next one, covenant commitment. Mm. 
I'm making good time. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Another one of the benefits of being in a faith family is that it's a place of covenant and commitment. I'll let my wife just give you the definition of covenant mm -hmm. and commitment. Go ahead. You do both of them. Okay. A covenant is a contract or agreement between two parties. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is berith, uh, which is always translated. Um, it's derived from the from a root which means to cut. And hence, a covenant is a cutting uh, with reverence, reference to the cutting or dividing of animals into two parts and the contracting parties passing between them and making a covenant. An example is that of that is in Genesis uh, 15 um, uh, where a covenant was made between um, God, God and, and Abraham. And Abraham, Abram. Or Abram at that time. And they, he God directed Abram to divide uh, the the uh, uh, the offering, and and a smoking pot passed between those between those, and as well as Abram, in making of the covenant. Yeah. There was a cutting commitment um, in Webster Webster's dictionary. It's a promise to do or give something, a promise to be loyal to someone or something. The attitude of someone who works very hard to do or support something. Um, and uh, the scriptural reference for that is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's, that's covenant, that's commitment. He gave his only son for yeah. us. There is no greater covenant. <laughs> there is no greater <laughs> commitment. <laughs> Um, but in a faith family, there is covenant commitment with God as well as to, to one another. Yeah. Um, and we always like to give uh, the example in uh, Acts, the second chapter. There was that's yeah. such an awesome example yeah. of covenant commitment to one another. Absolutely. Wow. I think about um, and I've shared this when we talked about community earlier. But this is so connected because uh, when I talked about community, I talked about how our home church, everything was geared toward evangelism mm -hmm. and discipleship, uh, no matter what ministry. In fact, uh, in, in intercessory prayer, prayer, mm -hmm. evangelism, discipleship. And sometimes many ministries think of those as being departments in a church. Even though we did have an intercessory prayer team, mm -hmm. even though we had an evangelism team, um, and and uh, we had altar workers and people involved with discipleship. We didn't think of that as being uh, departments. Mm -mm. Here's how we broke it down. If you're in children's ministry, you should have intercessory prayer going on. Children's ministry needs to be geared toward evangelism. Children's ministry needs to be geared toward discipleship. If you're over the young people, young people, intercessory prayer, evangelism, discipleship mm -hmm. so we didn't think of in terms of there's the evangelism team there's the prayer team there's the discipleship team ours was for this sense of community that we must have mm -hmm. everybody no matter what your department no matter what you're involved in those three things need to be going on prayer evangelism discipleship that way no matter what we're doing all together as a community, we're always united. Mm -hmm. And that took levels of covenant and commitment uh, to 
to a whole nother to level. To a whole nother level. It made mm-hmm. it real. It made it a lifestyle. Yeah. And we have we affected wherever we were. We affected. Um, we affected our schools. Yeah. We affected our jobs, yeah. our communities, our families. Um, uh, so it wasn't separate. It was how we lived. Yeah. That was the reason why I tell the stories of how when we were the youth pastors, the youth ministry grew because of the young people, mm-hmm. because we instilled in them intercessory prayer, evangelism, and discipleship. discipleship. So they went back into their own schools with their own friends and led them to the Lord and brought them to the youth meeting. They didn't think of it as, that's the evangelism's job. That's the missionary's job. Everybody is. Everybody's evangelist. Everybody's a disciple. Everybody's a soul winner. Everybody's to be involved in prayer. We taught those young people to pray, and so even when they brought their friends up, you know, at the end of the youth meeting to be prayed for, give their hearts to the Lord, guess what? Me and Carol again, because we taught them. We stepped back. Let the young people who we taught to lead a soul to Christ, let them do it. Because it's going to be more real that way, too, mm-hmm. instead of these 30-something-year-old pastors praying. It's somebody your same age mm-hmm. praying for you, leading them into the, uh, the baptisms of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I I guess we bring that up to tell you this is what we believe God has in mind when you talk about faith family. And it's a benefit. It's going to happen out of that covenant and commitment to what God has actually called us to do. Mm -hmm. The last one, final one. We made it. Commissioning. (laughs) We did it. We did it. (laughs) Commission. Uh, Start with the definition. A formal written warrant granting the power to, form, to perform various acts or duties. It's an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts. It's a charge. It's authority to act for, in behalf of, or in place of another. A task or matter entrusted to one as an agent for another or a group of persons directed to perform some duty. Commissioning is an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts, to confer a formal commission on, to appoint or assign to a task or function. Wow, that's a whole lot, (laughs) isn't it? But here's the point. Now we gotta use ourselves as an example. Way back on May the 30th, 2004, elders uh, and people who moved in prophetic laid hands upon me and Carol and commissioned us, released us, and sent us to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We were given everything that this says. Yeah, a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. We were given authorization um, or command to act in a prescribed manner to perform prescribed acts. We were given a charge. We were given a charge. That's what it means. So a faith family, the benefit, one of the benefits, major benefits of being part of a faith family is that it's a place from which God can release us. Not just even like God released us into this level of ministry, but I don't know if you guys remember way back, I think it was a couple of years ago, in this room, 
the Lord told us to begin to commission everybody every week to go into the world <laughs> in our sphere of influence on our jobs, release them to do this every week. And I'll never forget, we only got to do it once. We prayed for everybody in here and release them. I commission you, release you on their jobs and in your home and in your neighborhood. Because after we did that, we have never, we, all of us have never been together in this room at the same time since from that time. All of a sudden, all kinds of trials and stuff start going on in people's lives and in their families, in their homes. Some of them, have, they've wanted to come back and haven't been able to. So it was a key moment of releasing them. They had no idea the levels of warfare yeah. that different people were going to encounter. Yeah. No, they weren't given an ordination license and a ministerial license. They were given something far greater. Hmm. And that was a commissioning release. God, it was prophetic. God said, do this. He had been speaking to me to do it for a long time. And finally I did it. And when I did, we didn't know that for most of them, we, we wouldn't see them again. They went into their jobs. They went into all everybody into their spheres of influence, and they they had warfare on their jobs. They got battles in their bodies. People got battles in their families. Everything broke loose upon them, and I was so glad that we had done what God said do. I've looked back at that moment many times and said, "Thank you, Lord, that we were obedient and we commissioned them, we authorized them, we released them, we appointed them into what you had said." Wow. When you look at Second Timothy, uh, when you look at Second Timothy 1.14, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, <laughs> that's what is supposed to happen. We're supposed to commit something to you to keep you by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Mm -hmm. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, you find the, the, great commission. the great commission, Jesus himself. And Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples saying, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, I've heard this before, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Just a little side note, a lot of what is being released and people going into isn't this. They're calling it the Great Commission, but we're going out and we're condemning people and blasting folks and preaching whole messages on how messed up the people are and the world is and all of that, and that ain't what he said do. He said, teach them to observe all things that I commanded you. That, that's, what he, mm -hmm. that's what we've been commissioned to do. Make disciples. Mm -hmm. Making disciples is not converts. <sighs> okay, I can't get into a whole message on that. But making disciples is not converts. A disciple is a follower. Right. So for many people, it's just going to be live a life in front of them, share the things that right. you can, yeah. get involved in their journey, let yeah. them get involved in your journey. Mm -hmm. And come on, come on. That's yeah. discipleship. That's discipleship come alongside, open up your life, 
slowly invite them on in. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you teach you how to become teachers of men. And so we keep trying to, when they, they fish by using nets or they use fish by using lures and bait. But we have been trying to spear fish. We jump in the water and start jabbing. And that's not, wow. that's not what God intended. Throw out a net, catch all kinds of fish, bring them to the shore. Remember the kingdom of God principle. He said, when you get them to shore, you smack the sword. Some ain't going to be ready. You keep the ones that you can, throw the rest back. We feel like, but, but what if they don't get saved? And God, is that going to be on me that I threw them back? No, they weren't ready. You're going to catch all kinds of people in your net, in your life, in your lifestyles. You come across their paths where the people ain't ready. Trying to make them ain't going to help. No. You're not ready. Throw them back. And when it comes to lure and bait fishing, there has to be something attractive about your life and your lifestyle that makes them want to nibble, coming after it. And so, again, we make the mistake, many of us pastors, we throw out these hooks and ain't got no bait on it. Now, what fish is going to bite on a hook? You need to get saved. Well, so our bait, God gave us great marriage and through the years especially on our state jobs every day watching this couple come to work every day eating lunch together every day watching our life every day it became bait mm -hmm. so that by the time we left we had a couple of people like hmm I heard that you're leaving let's do lunch we even had a gay couple lesbian couple just watching our life Hit us up. Can we do lunch? What was the bait? Even for a lesbian couple, what was the bait? Relationship between each other. Mm -hmm. Sit down and talk with them. Ask a few questions about how they came into this lifestyle. They start pouring out their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, poured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Abused by the dads. Abused by their husbands. Mm -hmm. Wasn't even looking for one says wasn't even looking for this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. What was she said? All I was doing was looking for somebody to love me. Mm -hmm. When they invited me, that happened with us. They invited us to when somebody was having a birthday party or going away party, and they was gonna be at some uh, one of those clubs downtown Harrisburg, mm -hmm. one of those bars. I should say, not a club, mm -hmm. one of those bars. You know, you come to y'all gonna come to the going away party and be like, yeah, we'll be there. Oh, pastor at a bar. <laughs> Go in and order our order our sodas. our sodas. I want a Coke. I want a Dr Pepper. And of course, everything goes quiet when you do that. Yep. Everybody else goes. I want wine. I want beer. I want it. What do you want? Oh, I want a, want a Dr Pepper in the room. And it gets quiet. <laughs> And they keep on and talking and everything, but see, we're there. We're there with them. We're talking. We're conversing because you know how after work, everybody's talking about work and what's coming up and all that kind of stuff. And then the congratulations to the person that's leaving and all of that. And what was it all that doing? It was setting us up for the day and the moment when something happens in their life and they need somebody. We've had it. Tell me what we know. We've had it. 
we've had it. The moments come when they, something tragic happens in their life, something serious happens in their life, and then what do they remember? They remember that you were never standoffish. Yeah. You were never separating yourself from them. You were always there at the parties. You were at the events. You, you're one of us, and so I can trust, trust you and talk to you. Woo, that's commissioned. That's what we're commissioned to do, and we've been authorized We've been authorized and trained to do it. When you look at the early, when you look at the Apostle Paul's life, that's what I was going to show you. And then I got to go. Acts 13, starting at verse 13, it says, Now in the church there was at Antioch, there, was a, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called, past tense, I've called them. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are some people who are sitting in the midst uh, uh, of a church, of a gathering, of a faith family, and there's a calling on their life beyond that faith family or beyond that city. But Paul and Saul was one of those people. From the time, and I've heard many young ministers say, I'm like Saul. I'm not going to consort with no man. Okay. Mm -hmm. Paul did that for three years. Mm -hmm. He went to Arabia so he can get himself straight. Because mm -hmm. he had been taught Judaism. Mm -hmm. After he has an encounter with God, he went away for three years. I didn't talk to no human beings. He was talking about specifically because I needed to get myself straight so I couldn't Renewal I couldn't go the to the mind. same people who Renewal. taught me this right. to try to get fresh revelation right. so I went away for three years mm -hmm. scholars say that from the time that remember I told you guys last week how Barnabas nobody believed this all was really saved <laughs> so changed. God that he had yeah. changed so God used Barnabas to get the brethren in the church to receive him because they didn't believe that Saul had really changed. They were scared of him. I mean, the man had been putting people in prison and having folks executed. And so it ain't like today. It ain't like there was newspapers and TV coverage and internet. To right, so that's all, all we know is when you hear the name Saul, run. <laughs> so now here is Saul showing up at our door saying, you know, I've been converted. I've been changed. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so it took Barnabas to step up and say, no, he really he is. Has. I saw him preaching in Damascus. He was bold. He is part of us. Mm -hmm. So they accepted him. Now, from the time that Barnabas did that, so Saul was committed. Mm -hmm. Everything we just talked about, mm -hmm. covenant, mm -hmm. committed, mm -hmm. covering mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. at, with a faith family. Mm -hmm. He didn't come in, and then after a couple of years, all right, I got this all together, I'm out. Remember we talk about the difference between those who are sent and ones who went? <laughs> Paul was not a went. <laughs> I know that's not good English, but you get my point. And not only was he submit, think about this, this is a super educated yes. man. He knew this stuff better than everybody that was there. But still, he submitted himself and served as part of the prophetic and the prophetic uh, leaders and the uh, teachers. Mm -hmm. He was just, we well, see, there were certain prophets and teachers. So he was just 
Mom, he was just his name was just included with all the rest. Mm-hmm. He wasn't above everybody else. Just I'm just part of the team mm-hmm. of prophets and teachers who are ministering here in this city of Antioch. Can you imagine having all that revelation, all that understanding, all of this inside of you? And God didn't called you. God didn't like, like God had called him from the beginning. Remember? From the beginning, when God first got him, he got his calling. And he still went three years in Arabia. And then years after his call, first initial calling, then you come to, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and here's the phrase, they sent them away. Say, thank you, Lord, for commissioning. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it's about. When we first got started here in Harrisburg, I think uh, around, I gave everybody this definition of what it means to be commissioned. Because at that time, we were trying to help everybody understand where we were coming from. Mm-hmm. We're new to the area. Nobody knew us. And so we didn't want people to feel like we were some of those people that uh, we really was gangsters <laughs> from St. Louis, and we're just escaping, coming here to Harrisburg where nobody knew us. Wow. And I say that, I use that word on purpose, because there's a lot of folks coming up here, I say this boldly, that are coming here from Philly and Baltimore and New York, and they're gangsters. They're corrupt. They're not right. So they come into Harrisburg where don't nobody know them to try to set up ministries because the places where they're coming from, those people know them. And they know they're not right. So they come in here where they feel like Harrisburg people are gullible and won't know no better. But we found out right from the start, no, Harrisburgers ain't gullible. What it is is they sick and tired of mess. That, that's what it is. <laughs> Now, they're so sick of it to the point that sometimes the people who are real, they will reject them too. But I get, I understand now why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) After living here for almost 12 years, I know now why the tendency is that they look. This is, mm -mm, I don't even have time. Uh, Tracy tells her story when she first came to us. She had already told her daughter, "If, if that ain't right, if these people ain't right, we out. We're out. We had one chance <laughs> to get it right, <laughs> and it wasn't. She wasn't waiting for the sermon either. It was if they don't speak to us right when we walk in the door, <laughs> we're done. Why? Sick and tired of mess and gangsters and crooks and false prophets and all the kind of stuff that people tend to move to this area thinking that this is easy pickings. Harrisburg is not easy pickings. People want God. Mm -hmm. They want what's real. Mm -hmm. It may not be everybody, but there's enough people that are crying out for the real thing now Mm -hmm. that folks can't just come up and set up camp here no more and think you're going to get away with it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Come on, bless the Lord. (laughs) But we gave everybody this definition because we were trying to explain that we're not like that. And so we gave everyone, we said, we've been commissioned, and we would show the video. Mm-hmm. Woo! Yeah. 
I guess we got to be well known for showing the video every year. We show the video of how hands were laid upon us and all those prophecies that came. And why did we do that? Because we wanted it understood that we are we were commissioned and a commission is a mission and assignment that one has uh, that one has been certified. Authorized. authorized, trained, released, and commanded to do. So we wanted everyone to have the assurance that we were coming from a faith family where we had been trained to do this, certified to do this, we had been authorized to do this, we had been released, we had been commanded to do this. That we weren't here, uh, and I call it because a commission is not something you just decide to do based upon your own gifting. We weren't some of those people who were like, I'm gifted too. I got something to say too. So I know what. Let's move to Carol's home. Let's move to Carol's home time where we can set up our own ministry because I'm tired. I'm tired of sitting under my brother. <laughs> Not at all. Like, no, I'm, we, weren't, we didn't want to go nowhere. So I'm, I'm just reminding you guys now, here's the word apostle because I want to use this word. Okay in a way that you may not be anticipating me to say this to you, but it's very important that I do. Um, most of the time when you hear the word apostle, it's someone who is using this as a title for a position of authority in the clerical system of the church. Basically, an apostle is this. It's somebody who's been sent with a specific commission, remember? And a commission is an assignment. Mm -hmm. So an apostle is certified, supposed to be certified, authorized, trained, released, and commanded to go on a mission or on an assignment. Mm -hmm. It is not the elevated position. I'm not a pastor no more. Now I'm an apostle. No. Well, now I'm higher than an apostle. Now I'm a bishop. And now we've gone into, now I'm an archbishop. What happened to the Great Commission? Just, just every week to come together as a family, a faith family was a small group, a prayer group, a local church, every week. God, what if this happens in Harrisburg? Wow. Where people come together and their leaders simply commission them mm -hmm. as apostles, mm -hmm. not titles, right, right, right. the work. Yes, apostles the work. The work. on your job. Yes. I commission you mm -hmm. as an apostle mm -hmm. on your state job. Mm -hmm. I commission you as an apostle on your in the medical field. Mm -hmm. I commission you as an apostle just mm -hmm. as a teacher mm -hmm. in the Harrisburg School District. Mm -hmm. Not some title that I'm flaunting myself and wearing a robe and a collar to impress people. No, what the apostle really means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's been sent. Mm -hmm. That's what's been in our heart all these years to establish a faith family by which we can certify, train, authorize, prepare people and send them out as apostles right where they are. You never have a title in this earth, but you will stand before God and he will acknowledge you as one of his apostles that was sent. And you did what I told you to do and he'll be able to say, 
well done. Come on, bless the yes. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, God, we just receive all of these benefits that you have set up for us in a faith family. Thank you, Lord God, for community. Thank you for communion. Thank you for camaraderie. Thank you for the care. Thank you for the connections. Thank you for helping us to learn about conflict resolution so that we forgive one another and move on. Thank you for the safe place of confessing faults. Thank you for the covering and the protection, the intercession. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for covenant commitment. Thank you, Lord God, for commissioning us. We bless, we bless you, Lord God. We praise you. And we receive it the way you meant it, Lord. Lord, we know that you did not intend that here in the 21st century, we'd be running around chasing after titles and positions while the world is dying and lost and family members and friends and co-workers and classmates are going straight to hell while their lives and families are falling apart we meet and gather in buildings to impress each other lord help us to come to the true benefits of being part of a faith family yes lord god 